Welcome to the Pure Parenthood podcast, brought to you by Pure Baby. I'm your host, Tiffany Wells, and I'm the head educator here at Pure Baby. Hi, everyone. Today, we wanted to change it up a little compared to previous episodes. Our guest today is Billy Lazoo. Billy is a dad to a toddler and a young baby. We wanted to bring Billy on to give a dad's perspective on his journey of parenthood. Billy and his wife are both very hands-on parents and Billy works from home and also has his own podcast called Created by Marketers for Marketers. In this week's episode, we discuss pre, during and post-birth to provide insight to expecting fathers out there. Hi, Billy. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Tiffany. Oh, it's so great to have you, Billy. Um, I'd love if you could start by telling us a little bit more about your experience in becoming a father for the first time. Yeah, sure. No worries. Um... Guy, go back, going back three years ago now. Um, <laughs> so I, I think the best way to kind of go through it is to break it into three areas. I'm going to talk about pre, pre-birth, so before the child and when we found out we were pregnant, um, during the birth and post-birth, because a lot changed in nine months. Um, yeah, I can imagine. God, a hell of a lot changed in nine, <laughs> yeah. in nine months. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so pre-birth, I think I, I remember coming home from work um completely unplanned pregnancy uh we the planned part unfortunately we we struggled at the start to have kids and um we um we just stopped trying i think and then i came home from work one day and my partner was really kind of just dis- i wouldn't say disconnected but just, i felt like she was hiding something from me so i kept pushing on her to say <laughs> look what's what's wrong like is something up yeah and uh she turned around and and said to me, I'm, I'm pregnant. Um, and I just remember my jaw, literally, it was probably like one of those episodes in a comic film when the jaw hits the ground <laughs> and uh, a little bit of drool came out. She said, I don't know <laughs> if you were in shock or, um, or what had happened, yeah. but there was everything I ever wanted. I really wanted to be a dad. Um, but they really, really quickly, this fear of change and not knowing what to do set in. Um, are you, am I ready mentally? I know I wanted this. Am I ready financially? Uh, will I ever be ready financially? Um, and then the fear of, of, of what do I do to, to help? Like I'm not carrying this baby. I'm just merely on the journey of watching my partner go through her body changing. And, um, I'm quite squeamish. I think of, of any kind of process like this I think I'm not quite um, good at handling some of these things so um, the first thing we did was together went to birthing classes but it wasn't normal birthing classes it was hypnobirthing Mm. Um, we felt that really helped they they take you through the process of what Lisa my partner is going through at every phase of the journey and I can be there to support her both leading up to the birth and during the birth Mm. And then you watch a lot of birthing videos. Um, so that kind of squeamish element of not knowing what can go, you know, wrong and what can change throughout the process. Um, I knew kind of what to expect and a lot of water births, um, a lot of natural births. And, you know, that I think really connected me with the process and knowing what I could do to, mm. to not just feel like I'm a fly on the wall watching this happening. And I spent a lot of nights talking to the baby too. So they talk a lot about building a connection as a father with the with the child. And um, I would speak, I would speak to it, and hoping that it would know my voice. And believe it or not, it would the baby would start moving and coming to the surface <laughs> every time I spoke. 
Um, then the final part was packing the bag, the hospital bag, so you feel like you're in control. And we had a birthing plan. I wouldn't say we went according to that, but we felt as prepared as we could be. Yeah, I think it's really great to have a bit of insight there into your experience when you first found out and all those things because it is such an incredible journey, myself being a parent, you know, just getting your, your head around it and then having mm-hmm. to think about all the things you've got to do to prepare um, for that baby arriving is, is a massive thing, but it's also so exciting. So it's really lovely to hear some of the things that you chose to incorporate and what you learned in that period. Yeah, we definitely, the first one was a, was a definitely a wild ride. The second was a lot, was a lot easier because we knew what to expect. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So what about during, during that, um, the birth, I guess, and the labor, what, what sort of went on for you there? Yeah, every, every night I'd go to bed wondering, is tomorrow the day? You know, they speak <laughs> a lot about it in hypnobirthing and it happens when you're relaxed. Yes. And it's not like the movies where, like, you know, she says my water breaks. Like, that's very uncommon from what I've been able to gather. But um, when she told me it was like 4 a.m. or 3 a.m., she said, I don't think you're going to be going to work today. <laughs> and I was thinking, like, why? The tra- are the trains down? <laughs> like, <laughs> Is the car not working? Yeah. And she's like, I think I'm going into labour. And she tells me my reaction was I got out of bed and I was running around the house like a bit of a headless chicken. Um, <laughs> she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, what do I need to do? She's like, you pack the bag. Um, let's just be patient and wait and wait for the signals of us having to go into the hospital. So I called the hospital and said, you're going to be expecting us probably within the next 12 hours. Um not knowing how long the labour would take. Mm. Um, they say you know, you need to wait for the contractions to be a certain time apart and to be lasting a certain amount of time. Um, so I tried to help in every way I could. You know, I'd, I'd bring Lisa a glass of water, I'd give her a massage, we would create positive affirmations and, and, and songs that we think would calm her. I made her a warm bath, um, just really was there to, to offer help. Um, we have a dog who decided to jump on the bed and curl up next to my partner as well. So it was <laughs> like she knew what was going on. <laughs> it was yeah, quite cute. Yeah. Um, but we had we had a long drawn out labour. So, you know, hypnobirthing really worked in our favour up until a certain point in time. I think it was 23 hours into the labour. Lisa was still very calm and collected and breathing and in a meditative state. We wanted a water birth. But unfortunately, when we got to the hospital, the midwife that was there at the time didn't have hypnobirthing accreditation. Mm. So we couldn't have the water birth. But we set up the room quite tranquil and the music and the candles and a bit of ambience. And every nurse that walked in, doctor that walked in, um, commented on how how good the environment was in our room. Mm. Um, so we had to, unfortunately, you know, um, have some medical assistance and... I went from that squeamish partner who didn't want to even be in the room to doing anything I could to get the baby out safely. Um, you know, I felt a completely different person. I think you surprise yourself yeah. in those situations. Yeah, I think um, going through something like that with your partner and having that bit of experience with um, watching other videos and, and preparing yourself as you said, mentally and what to expect a bit more. And obviously you, you worked really hard on creating that beautiful environment for the two of you. Obviously that that, that did really pay off and, and finding out that you went from being very squeamish to not and really being there for her and present and being able to cope with all of that and supporting her is 
is really um, is a really great thing to, to hear, I think, and, and hearing that it is possible to move past some of those things. Because like, I think sometimes people think, oh, if I'm already squeamish or if I already can't handle blood, I'm not going to be able to handle a birth. Whereas mm-hmm. you clearly are um, a, a perfect example of, of that being able to be possible. So it's, it's really mm-hmm. great to have heard that, I think. So what about that post time? Because I guess that post time is something that, again, is a whole nother journey. I'd, you know, I'd, faint, I'd faint at the drop of a hat, wow. but not anymore. It's kind of pushed, it's completely changed me, I think, um, in that part. And it's nowhere near as bad as you think about. It's mm. actually, I don't know, I'm not actually going through the labour, but I would, I would say that it's, it's a beautiful process. Mm, mm. So that post period then, um, like I just said, you know, I guess that's a whole nother journey <laughs> and a whole nother, whole nother realm, isn't it? So how did you, what yes. were the first things for you that, um, that you found were, you know, were those big moments um, post birth? Yeah, well, we were public systems. So we were out of hospital within 48 hours. Wow. Um, and I remember, you know, having the, the, the chair all set up in um, in the car and, and heading down to the, the hospital to pick pick up my son, putting my son in, like, you know, carrying him so carefully and putting him in the car, thinking, God, oh, so, she's so small, um, coming home and putting him on the couch and thinking to myself, what do we do now? <laughs> yeah. You know, we've had all this help at the hospital. Yeah. And now what do we do? And my dog's, you know, walking around sniffing, you know, like what is this thing, you know, mm. that you brought into the house? <laughs> um, and then, it re- yeah, really kind of, I guess the thing that hit home for me as the dad was had to, I had to figure out my role. Mm. Um, you know, at least my partner knew she could feed the baby and she could, you know, she she had to learn the art of breastfeeding. Um which has its which had its challenges as well, but I just had to figure out like what what can I do to help my partner in any way possible. So you know, simple things again, like bringing a glass of water, um, helping change the nappies throughout the night, uh, burping the baby, and you know, holding the baby when the baby was crying and trying to put it back to sleep so my partner could get some rest, some well needed rest as she was healing. Mm. And I only had two weeks off work. I clearly like I don't think that's enough time mm. you know as a as a father you still want to be there but when you go back to work you don't really know how to give 100% of yourself at home and at work mm. because you feel so much pressure to deliver i.e. bringing in the money for the family and being effective at work but then you have this stress of how do I also be present when I'm home and it, it's challenging because you're a walking zombie at work as well our baby wasn't a great sleeper and the fogginess of the first um first always felt like the first 12 months because he just didn't want to rest he had quite a pair of lungs on him and what i learned from that was there's no there's no perfect baby you don't need to put too much pressure on yourself in particularly at work people are there to help you that's a, if you've got a team environment in particularly it's not helpful putting stress on your shoulders and, and worrying about all the minute detail yeah, it's, it was it was quite a quite a challenging time, and I reflect on that now because as, as I had my second, I definitely found a balance with having other parents at work, other fathers at work that I could empathise with and and communicate with with that life work life balance and and kind of chip in and help each other out. Mm. But it did take a toll on my on my mental health. I think finding ways to fill up my cup is important as a dad, as important as it is for for mum as well because definitely you see how it impacts your health because you would put work 
and family first before some simple things like going out and shooting the basketball or going for a walk. Mm. Um, things that you know are good for your mental state and will help you perform better in both work and at home if you just do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I very much chose to put my family and, and work before my own needs. Going back to that point I mentioned earlier about building a connection, I think a lot of fathers also don't feel like they can connect with the baby because there's no, you know, they're not as involved as they think they could be or they, they, they feel like they should be. Mm. And I um, very much had skin-on-skin connection the moment the baby came out. And because I, sp- I felt like I spoke to the baby so much before he came out, um, he automatically would know my voice. So his eyes would follow the ro- around the room every time I'd talk. That made me feel a special connection with him. Mm. Um, so much so that I would have certain sayings that I would say to him. Um, and inevitably I would say to him, um, aim for the sky before I put him to bed, which, you know, made its way into my rap career, <laughs> my, my poetry <laughs> career of creating a, a song for him as well, which he listens to now called Baby on the Moon. And um, just, yeah, any, anything I could do to build a relationship with him at that point in time. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's so so lovely to, to get some insight for everyone out there. It sounds like you've been you know, on quite a deep dive discovery, self-discovery journey, I guess, and you've learned so much along the way so far. Um, and I think um, it was so lovely to, to hear about that strong relationship that you forged with your firstborn by writing such a beautiful, heartfelt, personalised poem and speaking to him regularly. And what a gift to you and to your baby, I think. You know, it's such a wonderful idea. So I really take my hat off to you for doing something so beautiful and being such a hands-on dad. I think that that's a wonderful thing to share and, and to give, I guess, a way in which, you know, other dads could potentially look at finding ways to connect with their with their baby. That's so beautiful. Mm. So so as that hands-on dad, if you were to put the ultimate survival kit together, um, what would it contain, do you think? Because I think that's another <laughs> thing a lot of people think about, you know, what do I really need um, as a mum or a dad in, in a, you know, a, a kit of <laughs> things that you would really recommend? Um survival kit you know uh i remember the first t- day um i had to i took levi out for lunch with my um my brothers and i was so nervous i was like making sure i had everything and i didn't forget anything and what could go wrong and <laughs> um a bit of advice to all the dads don't Google anything. Google's never your friend. <laughs> Google, <laughs> if your baby's got it, if anything you Google always leads to, you know, probably lead, leads to something that you just don't want to get your head into that space. Yeah, um, yeah. Colic is definitely the one that always comes up on top of the list. Yeah. But I would say a nappy bag, you know, 100%, bring as many extra nappies as you can because you never know what can happen at any point in time. Yeah. Um, a change of clothes because of you know go back to point one you never know what can happen at any point in time <laughs> and baby wipes um that's for cleaning uh you and the baby at any point, yeah. at any point in time <laughs> yeah. the um the things that i think would keep them entertained so something musical my son always and my daughter like something that played played some music a comforter of theirs so a, a, a teddy of some kind if I was sleeping, if they were sleeping somewhere else, they loved some white noise. So there's an app that we have on our phones, which plays just some white noise, either raindrops or some wind chimes. And that would always help them get to sleep and would definitely block out any noises that 
may wake the baby up or stop them from falling asleep. Um, and then lastly, you know, again, for both of them, a ball or a toy of some sort, you know, my son it just loved carrying a ball around with him. If it was a soccer ball or a basketball or, or a football. And my, my daughter's very much the same. She's a little bit more rougher though than him. She, you know, <laughs> you, you never know where you're going to find anything that you give her <laughs> in her mouth or behind the chair or, She's definitely a character. Yeah, yeah, great tips there. I think obviously I found even as my kids got older that baby wipes were just one of those things, just having some sort of wipe to, as you said, clean yourself as well as the child yeah. um, and all those other things there that you've mentioned are just great tips. So thank you so much for that insight there. So what has been some of the most important purchases that you've made, do you think, as a dad? And, and how did they help you on your journey as a new father? Because I think, again, there's so many things to purchase out there, but so many things that are unnecessary but some things are really mm -hmm. almost vital. Um, so what would you mm -hmm. say have been the best purchases you've made? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a reason for this. And um, there was a, I remember when I was, um, used to live at home with my parents, I was quite young. There was a lady that used to run past our house. She was, she was very fit actually. And she was pregnant and I saw her running and every day she'd run past same time, same day. Um, and she went from zero to nine months and then, I think after nine months, I, she disappeared for maybe like a week. And then I saw her running with the pram <laughs> and then I saw her running with the baby carrier. And I always thought to myself, I want to be physically active when I have kids as well. And I don't want that to limit me from going out and doing exercise. So the two things that we invested in was a baby carrier. Yep. And it was a baby, baby Bjorn, because it's great for you to get out of the house and get that fresh air, walk down to the coffee shop, go for a walk around a park, go for a walk to the beach. You just literally, it hangs on you and the baby can sit there quite young. They can sleep on you. When they get older, you can turn them around and they can see the world as you, as you go on your adventure. Mm. And it's really practical and easy to put on. Um, and the second is a, is a really good functional pram, um, easy to lift and easy to collapse and fits in the back of the car because you use that it's just it's it's you use that up until the point where they're even when they're walking you know you change just change some of the modules and they still sit in it and you can get on with your day and we found those two are the 100 percent the most important purchases that you need yeah, yeah, great advice there. I think it's fabulous that you've made some great suggestions and interesting to hear what you found most practical because I think everyone does have different ideas and, you know, there might be something that someone else might find better than others. But I definitely say, yeah, in my experience too, a baby carrying a pram, a, a good pram to invest in is definitely the way to go. So what would you recommend for other dads to help them feel empowered and confident as a new father? Because you mentioned a little bit about hypnobirthing, but you know, I guess just mm -hmm. delving into that a little bit more, did you feel that that really was, you know, the, the biggest thing that empowered you and made you feel confident as a father? Yeah, I went through a phase where, you know, meditation, and I still do, I still really believe in the, in the practice of meditation for yeah. your mental health. Yeah. And what hypnobirthing allowed you to do is it was a really safe environment. There were like six couples on a beanbag, you know, we're all just kind of really open sharing and talking about what we think of birth versus, you know, being educated on the realities of, of, of the birthing process. And we had a really good teacher um, who took us through, you know, different types of, of, of the labor, you know, parts of the labor, should I say, of different types of breathing your partner can do to help push the baby out because at the end of the day it's the body performing a function 
and you know for me it was I don't know I like getting into the nuts and bolts of how things work Mm. I was one of those kids who would break something just to fix it not always (laughs) fix it unfortunately and he I think did that Mm. it really empowered me to know what was going on Mm. what my partner was experiencing and what I could do to help and it just made me feel 100% more confident of if things did go a certain way or a certain direction or if I knew my partner needed something I, I felt like I knew what I what I could do to be supportive in every moment of that yeah that's great certainly a lot more people i found and have heard about participating in my birthing and calm birthing courses in particular so it's great to hear that that helped you in those ways and helped you feel more empowered so have you um needed to reach out for support either yourself or your partner at any point during you know the pregnancy post-birth and if so you know was was there some helpful things that you found that that you would recommend to people and how Mm. you know who did you reach out to um for, for the you know any sort of help mentally good question again <laughs> we we i guess as internal and external help i think externally we definitely had some support a mother-in-law got us a um a breastfeeding consultant yeah um lactation consultant. yeah lactation consultant that's yes. the word yes and she was interesting i'd say i think her support was was useful um but at the same time i think added internal i guess a lot of internal pressure you know not knowing how much to feed the baby or overfeeding the baby or underfeeding the baby and it really started to i guess create a lot of they're not rigor but overthinking as to what we were doing and the moment we realized the more relaxed we were as parents, then our baby would also be quite relaxed. Then the tension was relieved. Mm. We internalized a lot of our stresses during the first birth. Mm. Um, but I opened up to my partner quite a bit <clears throat> during the second birth and, and at the, towards, you know, the middle parts of our, of our first birth with my son, but it's weird how certain things trigger your emotions. And I remember my partner saying to me, uh how her relationship with our dog has changed yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. it's just the other the other the other person in the house that we've forgotten about but you know she noticed that she wasn't taking him for walks as much and um you know wasn't giving her all the attention she needed and it really struck a nerve with her and she found us a way to incorporate um incorporate the dog into our day-to-day lives mm. um again it doesn't sound like a big deal now we probably look back at it and go what were, we, what were we worried about? Everything's fine, but you just don't know how things are going to change. And I think that creates a lot of discomfort. The challenges with breastfeeding, I think you you see it, see it being so simple, but it's not. Mm. You know, there's a lot of people struggle with it and it's not as um, painless as you think. And I know my partner in particular, that was a challenge at the start, but once we got into that rhythm and everything was locked and loaded, um, should I say, it was... It was an it was a relationship that she had with my both my kids that she really enjoyed um, mm-hmm. and was actually getting a bit emotional when she knew it was coming to the end of breastfeeding and she had to go to a bottle because they she really treasured those moments. The hardest part is why your baby won't sleep. You complicate that so much. You think to yourself, is it they're overeating and they're not they're not eating enough? Um, are they sleeping too much during the day or are they undersleeping during the day? Mm. Um, are they watching too much TV? Well, they're not watching TV at all, but should we have the TV on in the background? Or should mm. we turn all the lights off? Mm. Have we had too many visitors over today that stimulated them? All these things. The reality is 
you know, they're a baby. They're not meant to sleep throughout the night. You know, you're going to have to get up and you're lucky if you've got one that does sleep throughout the night and enjoy yeah. every moment of it. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Thank you for sharing that important information, I think, about your experiences there because it can be difficult to sometimes, you know, deal with um, those sorts of mental health issues in becoming a, a first-time parent as well. Um, so what are some key things that, that you think dads should know more about um, pregnancy mm-hmm. and and what would you recommend in way of books and apps and podcasts before they become a dad because I think from that perspective too just knowing a little bit more about where you can reach out to or what what you what tools you can utilize might be really helpful mm-hmm. yeah look podcasts weren't a huge thing when we, we were having our kids and now they are I would have definitely jumped onto to a lot more of that content because mm. I like audio content but yeah I did watch, um, there was uh, Beyond Blue released a set of videos called Dad Vice and it's kind of comical dad humour around being a, being a parent and I think men have a certain way of engaging with each other which is making fun of a situation and hearing other parents or other fathers talk about changing nappies or getting, you know, vomited on for the first time and <laughs> just things that you can find the humour in really helped helped me I got a good laugh out of it and knew that if it happened to me you know it's not the end of the world yeah um there was a really good app called wonder leaps which tells you about when the baby's going through certain growth spurts okay really it's it's a great app Tiff I think it's one of those ones that you know tells you today your baby or this week your baby's going to be able to see different distances which means their world opens up around them Mm. and they're going to start engaging with different things. Mm -hmm. But that may also be a reason why they're not sleeping. And it was always so accurate. Um, Even now with my second, it's, we still use it and it's just as accurate as to why she grizzly. She's in the middle of her third leap, Mm. you know, the leap of, um, of relationships. You know, she's realizing that you're not there in her room with her when she's trying to sleep. So that's creating anxiety and stress for her. That's why she's crying. Mm -hmm. And the third was the consultants. I think while we, you know, we had um, some great advice from some of our consultants, also take it, take their advice with a grain of salt. I think, you know, you, you take what you want from it and make your own decisions that was what, what works best for you. But at least you're getting the advice. I think getting the advice is better than none advice, no advice at all. Yeah, definitely. I think um, it's really great to have some suggestions there for other dads that are going to be going through this because it can be really hard to know where to turn. So what would you recommend for dads to prepare for labour and birth to best support their partner during that birthing process, do you think? Mm, hypnobirthing. Yep. You know, it's going to be the, the, the phrase of this podcast. Yeah, but I no, think watching okay. birthing videos so you know what to do and what to expect, how to offer support, mm. how to create a nice environment. Mm. You know, that's, that's what it's all about. Um, for me, and that's the main thing to focus on. I would say those, what can be quick or very long labours are just so important for a dad to know how he can be helpful. Yeah, yeah. And now that, you know, I've become a father, a lot of other dads speak to me because, you know, I I've, I've, was one of the first in my friendship group to have kids, so asking me what I'm going through and now vice versa, I wish I could have opened up you know, more and spoken to more fathers when I had the chance. But, you know, what are you going through? How do you deal with certain things? And we do now actually have, you know, a dad's group. You know, there's all of my my mates have kids now. And we just say, my son's now, you know, two years old and he's doing certain things that are 
you know, that he never used to do before that are quite cheeky. Like, how do you, how do you discipline and how do you deal with them? And it just really creating that open network of, of being vulnerable, I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Although it might've been hard for you to watch, you know, the, some of those birthing videos, it sounds like it really helped to normalize the birthing process for you, which is really great. And I think, like you said, talking to other dads and discussing what might be, you know, ways to deal with things sounds like a, a really great idea as well. So what has been some of your biggest learnings so far as a father since you started your parenthood journey? Because I think that knowing what you may have gained might um, open things up for other people and, and help them realize the, the amazing um, things that you can learn on this, this parenthood mm-hmm. journey. And, and just from a father's perspective would be really nice to hear. Yeah, it's probably probably three things I would say. I said before, you know, I was one of the first in my friendship group to to have kids, and mm. you now quality over quantity really came came through as one of the most powerful kind of themes I think of having kids, and it was the biggest learning. You know, people come and go in your life, um, but the ones who really want to be there for you during these challenging times and these beautiful times will definitely shine through. Mm. And so, so more of quality time with the ones you love and more quality time doing the things you love is really important. All those things that kind of fill your day before you have kids disappear. And it's not like, you know, I do miss some of the things, but it's just, I felt much more purpose in less quality things than a lot of things, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just being there, be, being around my kids, you know, you know, making sure I'm home for dinner time, making sure when I'm here, I'm present. Those small things that are just so important. They won't forget that. My son yells at me now, get off, get off your phone. You know, if I'm <laughs> on my phone and I'm at the dinner table or something trying to work and, again, it, be mindful, quality. You've got always got time to work when they're asleep. Mm, mm. Um, having empathy for yourself and your partner communicating as much as possible it's okay to feel a certain way just you know let it pass you know just like a like a cloud it, it will go away it's it's not going to stick there with you forever and, and learn how to deal with those things and open up about them mm. and for men in particular you know don't stop looking after yourself you know you can really be a better dad and better at everything you do if you work out ways in the first few months of ba- the baby being born to do things that fill your cup. So go for exercise, listen to music, write music, um, go to the gym or whatever it is that you need to incorporate into your life as a father, make sure you, you do that. Yeah, I think that's so important. So thank you so much for your insight today, Billy. It's really been interesting hearing about your journey from your perspective. And I I think that everyone will have really enjoyed hearing about your experiences I have. Um, I'm sure that it's just been um, so insightful to, to everyone out there. And thank you so much again. No, thank you for having me. To all the dads who are listening, uh, you can do it. And it's um, the most fulfilling thing you can ever do in your life. So, so good luck. <laughs> Yeah, that's wonderful. Thanks for that advice, Billy. I hope you've learned a few things today while listening um, and I would love for you to learn more about Dad's Vice. So if you'd like to hear more about it, please head to www.beyondblue.org.au and search for Dad's Vice. Thank you so much, everyone, and have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in today. I hope you found this helpful. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends about this podcast. And if you'd like listening please leave us a review. See you next time.